Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. If you're looking for opinions... A one SEC starting quarterback. You might actually start seeing and hearing about a totally different QB. Chuck Oliver show on a Tuesday, and I hope wherever you are, it's just a glorious day. Mid-afternoon, early evening, dusk. Appreciate you coming here. Two hours of college football conversation. It is what we do. I think as we get closer to the season... If we start looking for, because quarterback talk is always fun. Remember when Brandon Adams way back in the day was the producer here. He's like, Chuck, you can't talk enough Tua versus Jalen. And I was like, but Tua's going to be the starter. He said, that doesn't matter. He's like, you can't talk enough Jalen versus Tua. As I'm recalling, like it was pretty clear to me. In fact, I'd been told the folks in Tuscaloosa, Already had a plan in place to replace Jalen versus Clemson, but I think the score was 24-3 to that night, and they were like, yeah, I never got around to that. Everybody in Tuscaloosa was like, I don't know, third, fourth week of practice, two is better. Um, and so they were just waiting around for it, but we decided, yes, there's a quarterback competition, and there wasn't. And then Jalen still had his moments, and then he went to Oklahoma, and then he really had his moments. And then in Philadelphia, all that stuff happened, and then after the Super Bowl, he really he had his $250 million moment. Tua's still waiting on his money. He says, I want my money now. And the Dolphins are like, mm, let's see a little bit more. Jalen got broke off. So whether there is actually a quarterback competition or not, irrelevant. We love talking QBs because why? Here's why we love talking quarterbacks, especially in the offseason. We want to continue to be engaged with college football. And quarterbacks have the most columns of numbers that we recognize and think we understand. So if we want to talk left tackles, I don't know. He start giving me some left, left tackle statistics that we can throw out on the air and everybody will say, oh, I know, that's a relevant stat. I, if you tell somebody a quarterback threw 35 touchdowns and six picks, there's not context to devalue that. So we understand more about quarterbacks because they have the most statistical columns. And they have the ball the most, and we pay the most attention to them, and they date the prettiest girls and drive the best cars, and they do everything because they're quarterbacks. Well, I think as we get closer to the season, and we're looking at SEC quarterbacks in particular, I believe any Carson Beck dossier will start to refer to Matt Stafford on the reg. 
because Matt Stafford was the first overall draft pick 15 years ago, and that could be Carson Beck a year from right now. Here is a big difference. I don't know if y'all remember this, but Mel Kuyper Jr., who, God bless him, he created an industry. Like, nobody, Mel Kuyper didn't grow up thinking, I want to be in charge of the draft. There was no draft industry. He invented it, and then he became the star. And if you remember, when Matt Stafford was being recruited by Mark Rick to go to UGA, folks, go look it up. I give him credit. Now, he said this a lot, I'm sure, maybe once a year. Mel Kuyper, he got this one right. He said when Matt Stafford was a senior in high school out in Texas, three years from now, he's the first overall draft pick. The size, the arm, the smarts, the experience, the blah, 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 and he's going to Georgia and Mark Richt and all of this other stuff. And then you know what happened three years later? Brother, Matt Stafford's the first overall pick. I think that's going to be Carson Beck. And at the very least, it will be conversationally Carson Beck as a possibility. Do you know what nobody talks about? If Ken Seals is going to be the first overall draft pick, or if Spence Rattler even would be the first overall draft pick, there has to be so much for you to even be considered as the first overall pick, Baker Mayfield, he overcame. Well, he was at Oklahoma and the national success and big stage and all that. Yeah, Baker Mayfield is not first overall draft pick what comes to mind. Carson Beck, one year from right now, I think what we'll be looking at is prototype size. And when I say that, he's about six four and a half, about 225. He does not look 225 to me. He may be heavier, actually. He still has a little bit of that lanky-ish look to him. Like, I don't know. If you watch Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence is now like a full-grown adult male, correct? Like 25, maybe? That would be the case, yes. Doesn't he still have a little, like a tiny bit of lanky to you? He does to me. Yeah, he's always kind of had that. Yeah, he hasn't really completely filled out yet, maybe. And Carson Beck, it's that same sort. Now, he is not beanpole running around trying to figure out what to do with the football and it looks like you know he's the kid playing with the adults size football Mm -mm, not saying that at all Carson Beck is a big strong almost filled out kid but because he's so dang tall the weight doesn't look like it's there he's physically matured now but again maybe like Trevor Lawrence like Trevor's in the league now I think this is the fourth season coming up and Trevor is still, quote, filling out. Not everybody comes out of college looking like Tim Tebow. Flipping truck tires and, like, I don't know, one of those heavy ropes in each hand. Like I, Not everybody does that. Carson Beck might be getting close to it. So I say prototype size. How about the experience? How about the success? How about the quality coaching? Todd Munkin, he's already in the league. They like what he does. And high, how about the highest level of competition you can be a monster on any stage it may just be that nobody around you is close to like i don't know lebron james at saint mary saint vincent's for a 17 year old high school senior he probably got pushed as much as a high school senior could push him and then he was in the nba the next year averaging 21 a game 
So highest level of competition, like it really does matter. When you look at the private school kids, and this is a stereotype, it's not always true. It's true sometimes. Um, it's not true every t- It's true a lot. Private school kids and the, and I'm saying like the lower classification, like class A level, not big giant like private academy in New Jersey. What is that, Don Bosco up there? Um, is, is Seton Hall a basketball power up there in high school as well? Like there are some big giant private Catholic, whatever, schools like that. I'm not talking. I'm talking about the academy out in the country with K through 12 and 300 kids. That's what I'm talking about. Highest level of competition. Yeah, that's the Southeastern Conference, even more than the Big Ten. And only improving. So as we roll through the rest of the it's not even spring practice yet, part of the calendar and then through spring and G day, as far as Athens is concerned, it's G day there, the post spring may portal period, all this stuff leading up to William Lincoln convening in Dallas in July. Folks, I promise you the conversation around Carson Beck is not going to be limited just to Carson Beck. It will start like, imagine like a little pebble hits your windshield and then it just spider webs out from there. Somebody's going to be talking about ranking SEC quarterbacks. And you're going to put whoever it is. Doesn't matter if you cover Texas, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, anybody. Let's rank SEC quarterbacks because that's what we do in the offseason. All right, well, who do we put first? uh, Well, oh, Carson Beck. And by the way, there's really good quarterbacks coming back. And if you want to count Quinn Ewers, you should. He's going to be an SEC quarterback in 24. Quinn Ewers is really, really outstanding. Jackson Dart, Lane Kiffin, of all people, says, I can't get enough. There are some outstanding – the kid at, uh, in Knoxville. Did you watch the bowl game? It was the bowl game. That's all it was. Did you watch the bowl game? That kid just – I watched him glide around the field. I don't. Heath, I want to bring you in again. Did you do you remember anything about the Tennessee Iowa bowl game? It's the only reason I was watching it. It's the reason I remember the game existing is because Holy of watching that kid play. Smokes. No, there, you can you can see what the big deal is. He there. just was floating around like in control, ball on a string, um, and it looked like one of those. You may not. I don't want to lose you here, but growing up, Heath, did you ever play the crappy hockey game with like the metal rods underneath the cardboard ice? Are we talking about the the arena version, or are we talking like a home game? The home game. No, I didn't have a home game, no. Okay. Um, There are times when that, that, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, if you've ever seen those old hockey games where it's just like the player on the stick and you just kind of, that was Nico in the bowl game. He was just kind of floating around on the field out there. And so you're going to see people who saw the bowl game and they're rightfully impressed. Jalen Milrow, can I tell you what I'm expecting out of Tuscaloosa this year? Folks, go back and watch. You know what? There was no chance this would happen. No one turns down Nick Saban to be the OC in Tuscaloosa, and then a year later they become the OC with even more authority than they would have had if Saban was still there. That doesn't happen. It happened to Ryan Grubb. Kalen DeBoer, do you know what the outcome of Kalen DeBoer's offense is? Mm, Let's see, how often? Every year since forever? A lot, a lot of passing yards. 
Jalen Milrow, meet your new head coach. Tommy Reese, that other guy, where, what, where, he's Cleveland. Meet your new offense. Meet your new opportunities. <laughs> meet your new record-setting season, Jalen Milrow. There is no – Brady Cook's back. There is no shortage of outstanding quarterback play ahead in this season in, in, in the Southeastern Conference. I think almost every list will have Carson Beck at the top. I started talking about the list a little bit yesterday and last week. The way too early, way too early top 25, way too early uh, playoff fields, way too early rankings of Heisman candidates, et cetera, SEC quarterbacks. I promise you every list should have Carson Beck at the top. And as we get through this offseason, there's going to be a lot more references to another Georgia quarterback, Matt Stafford, who Mel Kuyper got that one right, and it's a decade and a half later, and I'm looking at Carson Beck. Like, I like all of this with him. I like everything about his resume, especially if I'm an NFL team and I have a top draft pick in 2025 and I'm looking for an instant turnaround. Of the fr- Like, he's the guy you pick. The only reason it's not going to be Dra- like Drake May, that's Carson Beck. And the only reason Carson Beck's, I mean, uh, Drake May's not going to be the first overall pick is because number 13's going to be the first overall pick. Because Caleb Williams, I've heard he looks like the best prospect since Andrew Luck. Am I mistaken? Caleb and Andrew are no, well, no. This is not a connected state. They're nowhere close to the same quarterbacks. But if he's the, quote, best prospect, he ain't like Andrew. But he's the best prospect since Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck was fantastic from the get-go. Threw a lot of picks for the Colts. Fantastic from the get-go with Indianapolis. And then I think at age 29, maybe stepped away because he was beat up. So that's what we've got in the SEC, folks. We've got tremendous quarter. I'm up and down. And do you know what the mustard seed of all this was? I was looking at Garrett Nussmeyer. And I, st- I asked that question, I think, on the air. How do we get better without Jaden Daniels? And so that's one of the things I've been dr- drilling down on. And I'm like, what do I think about Garrett Nussmeyer in this offense? And I started going out from there. And I, wanted, I was like, well, where does he fit in? Because he's competing against L- uh, SEC opponents. Where does he fit? After Carson Beck, which is the answer I came up with for everybody else in the conference. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Jump into it next on this Tuesday. of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show i think we've made a few adjustments and now we've constructed the roster but a lot of that has just been Look, we took over for a struggling program that we're trying to climb back into to national prominence, and, and and a lot of that just involves you know, growing the roster, you know, to get it to that level anyway. So I think some of this we'd have been doing regardless, but yeah, I, I, we're excited about it, man. I mean, the schedule we're getting ready to play, the different rivalries that are getting ready to come up from this, I think are going to be really special. Chuck Oliver on Tuesday. Heath, did he just blame the previous administration? Like, was that the president saying the problems I took over with the budget and all that? Like, 
Was that Lincoln Riley, USC head coach? He was blaming the previous administration, correct? There was definitely a subtle reminder that, uh, hey, you know, I didn't take over a great situation there, even if uh, you're too disappointed you a little bit. And in the context of also saying, hey, we're, we're transforming the roster for the Big Ten anyway. Um, Lincoln Riley talking about how in his – now go, the offense works, folks. Believe me, the offense, aces. If you want to go back to the last non-Lincoln Riley season in Westwood, are they Westwood or is that UCLA? That's UCLA. Frick. Uh, if you want to go back to downtown LA um, for the past, the excuse me, the most recent season without Lincoln Riley, it's not the offense. He's fixed it. He brought in who he needed from Oklahoma. It, it works, and it's going to work. It's irresponsible sometimes, and I just say casual with the football a little bit, but it works. A lot of yards, a lot of points, and that's probably not going to be the reason they lose on a lot, you know, most Saturdays if they lose. Season before Lincoln Riley showed up in not Westwood, for whatever you care, they gave up 31.8 per game. So many layers to the onions, so much context. Alex Grinch showed up and immediately shaved two points off that total. 2023, this past season, well, it went the other way. They were up to 35 a game. 35 a game. There are arena league coaches who have gotten fired because they were giving up 35 a game. So it just it hadn't worked over there. And so him say, hey, you've got to remember, we, the program we took over, they didn't play no defense. Well, you're still not playing defense. And as we brought up when it happened, Alex Grinch was the first non-Riley family member to get on that private jet that Lincoln Riley now has access to. The first non-Riley to get on the thing. He got whacked this offseason, actually before the season was even over. So it's time to get serious because I got news for you. As great as the Pac-12 was for most of last season, and it was great, fantastic football, so entertaining, this is going to be different. This is going to be a step up, even for USC, and I'm talking on a week-to-week basis. Here's what doesn't happen very often. I, I, I relayed this when it happened. I had a buddy of mine, Cal grad and booster and fan, and he says, I don't have a lot of brethren, but I have some, but not enough. He says, I promise you, at Cal Berkeley, they are way more interested, like the people who decide stuff, way, way more interested in maintaining their ranking of research institutes than they are winning, quote, sports games. That's how he said they would. He's like, we don't care about sports games. We care about our rankings or whatever. Um, well, they do all that at Michigan, too. They care about their their rankings for research institutes and doctorates and everything else. Uh, They also care about football. Big 10 is a big step up, even from a Pac-12 that had a tremendous season. And so you got to figure it out and good for you. Oh, we would do this anyway. Well, do it in a hurry. Hey, how's your Tuesday? How's it going, y'all? Since uh, we're talking briefly about the Big 10 there a little bit, yesterday I was actually in Ohio. I was obviously not here with you on the show was uh, up in Ohio for other things. But since I had a little time, popped by Ohio Stadium, Chuck. Um, It's really easy right now with this sport, with everything that's going on. It's really easy to kind of lose track of what makes it great and why 
despite all the things happening that are pulling it in different directions that some people aren't comfortable with, why this sport has the passion to hold on people that it does. But the reason the sport's going to be okay, I, I think I got my answer on the side of Ohio Stadium yesterday. Have you, have you ever been to Ohio Stadium? Yet? I have. Okay, so then you know. Uh, you, you've got at the front of it there, there's this this really nice setup at the very front of it of what was the horseshoe. It's not really a horseshoe anymore because they filled in the the other end permanently as opposed to temporary stands like they used to be. But there there's a whole rotunda at the beginning, and then there's different there, – you've got some stained glass windows. You've got some plaques. Chuck, I looked at one of the plaques. And I swear to you, this is true. Someone had taken every M in one of the plaques. This isn't just like some sign. This is this is like copper, you know, on the side of the building, permanent historical marker. Somebody had come along with tape and taped over every single M on the plaque in red tape. Every do you, this is a long essay, Chuck. Somebody had done like fifty different M's in this plaque that they had taken the time to tape over. Every single one of them. That's not learned. That's born with. In That's February, DNA. That's it, it's it's not Michigan Week. They did this in yeah. February, yeah. Chuck. Yeah. Uh, it, it just as long as we've got that, as long as we've got that kind of passion, that kind of intensity, uh, this sport's going to be okay. And I don't know. Maybe it doesn't exist in a place like a cow, but it did yesterday in Columbus, Ohio, on a, a February fifth of all things. And got a chance to go into the stadium. Again, nice-looking stadium on the inside. They got the Woody Hayes tribute on the one side. They got the Paul Brown tribute on the other. No tribute for Urban Meyer there. Yet. Yet. I assume yet. It's but going I, in right after Earl Bruce. Is there ever uh, – has there ever been a dude, though, with two championship wins at two different schools that doesn't have an honor at either place yet? Well, you got to wait a minute. It's it, Like, he doesn't have to go room temperature, but you do have to wait, like, four seconds before you do that. I don't know. I mean, the guy retires. At, at some point, at least at Florida, you'd think he would have gotten one by now. It hasn't happened yet. But mm-hmm. anyway, it was it was a fun visit yesterday, but those cross.ms reminded me of how this sport works so well. Ain't no doubt about that and the passion, and uh, it's the reason we're on every day, talking college football for two hours a day. All right, folks, it's Tuesday. Going to take a break. Day bar two next. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. It's always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Tuesday on the Chuck Island Show on Tower One, and you know what we're going to do. Welcome on one of my favorite guests that we have on all week, and it's every week. Uh, so much to talk about, including the Michigan coaching staff. I don't know. You go 15-0 and and win the national championship. Uh, you expect uh, you're going to lose some coaches. That thing's been strip mine, man. 
that coaching staff is they lost the special teams coordinator. That was the head coach. Lost the special teams coordinator at D.C. They really did lose the O.C., even though he's still there. It's a totally different job. So a lot going on there at Michigan and et cetera throughout college football right now. I want to welcome on good friend. He is College Football Matrix. It's Dave Bartu. Dave, how's the Tuesday going, man? <laughs> My day just got better, man. Strip mine. I'm using that. Oh, take that, it, man. That, I, I, I'm using that one day. <laughs> uh, and, and talk about where head coach Sharon Moore goes because he has, you know, in addition to uh, the DC and the special teams coordinator and another assistant, et cetera, um, lost Mallory as well. Um, he lost the OC because head coach really is a different gig. And um, like Raheem Morris in the league, in the NFL, he was asked yesterday at his press conference, are you going to call plays? He's like, no, I need to be dedicated to being the head coach. He's like, Jimmy mm-hmm. Lake's going to call my plays. Um, talk Sharon Moore and that staff right now and where they are. Well, I mean, the, the, the first, I guess the first thing is just when, when you're trying to figure out what is going to happen is look what you're replacing. Right, you're you're replacing the best head coach in the program history, and you've never been a head coach before, um, and you've never created. I mean, the thing about Moore is he's never built a staff. And what have you and I have always talked about? Watch the guys that get handed something pre-built for them, right? Because we don't know how they staff, and typically they never staff well, or it takes a long time. Lincoln Riley. You know, is an example. Chip Kelly is another example of that. So with Sharon Moore, everything is built for him. We don't know how he's going to staff. So to me, the jury's still massively out because we got to see what he's going to do. But I mean, he has lost everything of consequence there. It seems like. Uh, so it, it'll be a it'll be an interesting ripple though as well because Michigan can go get a lot of different guys in a lot of different places. So I find it interesting, the media, uh, when a head coach gets hired, Oh, coaching carousel's done, you know, Oh, like not Michigan. even close. Right. I mean, that's, that's one of 11 guys on the field and we're still seeing ripples today. Right. I mean, the NFL, the Colts just went and took Charlie Partridge, the best coach at Pitt. Boom, gone. Now Pitt's on the look lookout for a defensive line coach. So are a bunch of other teams. So the the ripples have absolutely not stopped, and we're as busy as we've been all year. Yeah, and for a team, and you mentioned uh, Charlie Partridge going to the league. Uh-huh. Um, for a team, I, I think a coach's personality and the team's playing personality, that's a real thing to me. Losing the D-line coach at Pitt with Narduzzi style, that hurts more than losing the secondary coach. I mean, it just when when you are built around the line of scrimmage, it would be like Doran losing the guy on the line. I think at NC State, um, so that really does matter. Let me ask you about a guy, mm-hmm. and I, well, I, I, I want to stay with Michigan for one. I wanted to ask you about, um, and this is an example of what we've talked about. We have seen the, you know, you just made the point that folks think when the head coaching job is filled, then the carousel's over. It's like no, 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 because we now have a phenomena dynamic where being coordinator at the giant school is being is better than being the head coach maybe at the lower tier school so we're seeing that as well michigan i don't know if this is official or not they've hired umass oc steve casula or casula as tight ends coach i don't know anything about him but he was the oc at umass and now he's taking a position coach with michigan um any words about him any ideas about who sharon moore has had uh, at one of his first hires from outside the program I, I I know my first response. You said UMass, and my whole body. Went, oh God! Oh, Bill. What, oh. What, what on that staff is good? Yeah. Um, but it's a tight end coach, 
right? So the first thing I'd say is if the guy can't recruit, why'd you hire him? Seriously. You know, I mean, that's really kind of how a tight end coach gets pigeonholed. So um, a great recruiter at UMass, I don't have his numbers right in front of me, but that feels like kind of a weird one. Uh, I bet you somewhere in there, they're friends somewhere. They're buddies. Somehow they're connected, and that was an easy hire for him. Boom. Um, let's Now I want to ask you about a pro coach, too, because UW Washington uh, just hired Steve Belichick. He's D.C. He called plays in the league for four years. Now, I don't know how being Bill Belichick's son, I mean, I don't know if his I, – I don't know either way. His DNA was on the Patriots' defense every week or not. I don't know that. Mm-hmm. But I know that he's D.C. and Power 5 now in the Big Ten, and so I need to know about him. Phenomenally interesting hire on this one, man. This one, I am so curious about this hire because a lot of people are poo-pooing it. But I pulled the numbers on Steve. When he was a safeties coach, uh, New England, top three in interceptions. Uh, the three years he was safeties coach, New England top five in yards per pass on defense. They moved him to outside linebacker. Okay, suddenly the run defense. They led the league over the last three years in the least number of rushing touchdowns allowed. New England over the last four years is number two in total defensive scoring efficiency behind only Baltimore. Look, I, I think Steve and the New England defense is getting a bad rap because the offense sucked since Brady left. And so I think they're lumping it all together. This one, I, I am I am absolutely, it's also in my backyard, but mm-hmm. I am absolutely intrigued how this is going to work out because I think Steve has done a better job than the general public is giving him credit for. And also Vinny Sinceri, who I'm old enough. I know Sal Sinceri from when he played um, at Pitt against Georgia in the Sugar Bowl in 80, gosh, one, two. Um, Vinny Sinceri, his kid, obviously started Bama, et cetera. Um, just, it's a name that people in the Southeast may know. What is Vinny Sinceri? What's he putting together now as a resume as a coach? I don't, I don't know what this one is. I, I think this is more, this, this, this feels more like a buddy of Steve. And he speaks the language. Yeah. Yeah, just you yeah. know, it, it just it just fits. God, I don't really have anything on him there, so we'll just see how that goes. But it's it's the the Steve Belichick yeah. is fascinating. And now look what you got. I mean, if you and I go walk him through the halls, you might run into Bill. You might run into Pete Carroll. Chris Peterson's there. You want to talk about a killer think tank at Washington? It's kind of fun if you ask me. All right, we'll take a quick break. Come down south next. Talk a little Auburn. They need a D-line coach. Talk a little Kentucky. Uh, yeah, the OC's in the league now. Uh, all of that coming up next with Dave Bartu. Now back to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Tuesday, and it's hour one. That means we're getting the lowdown from a guy who was in the room with decision makers, people who need to understand how do I use my assets, whatever they are, humans, dollars, hours. How do I use my widgets uh, to maximum efficiency to get the outcome I'm after? Well, they call Dave Bartu. He's got the laptop, the ones and zeros. He knows what to program in, and it is his full-time business. Dave, tell everybody uh, CFB Matrix. What is it you do, man, and, and who do you work with? <laughs> we tell stories with numbers, man. That's what we do. And uh, our focus is 
staff building in the NFL and in college football. And uh, now uh, we're also in the draft. We're in the draft. I got invited to the combine by one of our franchises. So there happens to be a correlation with the quality of your coaching in our grade book mm-hmm. and how well you pan out in the draft. So we are crossing a new boundary now. Uh, working into the NFL and the draft as it correlates with our coaching grades. It's going to be interesting. You're going to find threads that have always been weaving through this, that have always mm-hmm. been there to be found, and no one's ever found it. Um, so whether it's size, whether it's round that you stop taking offensive linemen in, whether it's the latest pick that you would ever spend on a QB with any – like there are threads, and you're going to find them. I can't wait to hear all that stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Dave, let's talk, first of all, BC. They need a head coach because Jeff Hathley's like uh, – Jeff out. Uh, he's going to go coach in the league. And the source that talked to, I read the SI quote was, yeah, he wants to go to a league where he can actually coach, not fundraise, um, you know, name him likeness, all that stuff. Uh, where does BC go? I've heard everybody from Dan Mullen to Bill O'Brien, and Bill O'Brien could happen in a couple of days. Tell me where you think uh, BC heads. Well, I mean, Bill O'Brien would be, would be pretty sweet for Ohio State. Um, you know, I, I think dodging that bullet might be pretty nice. Get out from but, under. Oh yeah, I, um, I I hope he doesn't leave because I want to see what he does at Ohio State, which I think is going to be like the rest of his career, just come up short. Um, but that would be a good hire for BC. I mean, there's not a lot of expectations at BC. They were happy with Halfley, and he was six games under 500. Yep. Uh, so you know, I, I, and and Bill has has slogged his way through through bad you know situations. He was at Penn State in 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 that mess, and then he made another mess at the Houston Texans, which he got through so you know going to bc that would be that would be fine i was you know i was thinking some of the other guys uh a lot of good guys out there right now tim alden uh jason candle yep. you know i thought somebody would that, that, that maybe a little hungrier you know uh that wanted it maybe a little bit more um but bill overall as a veteran and, and handling a a poor situation he's, he's used to that so uh that wouldn't be a bad hire either all right, Liam Cohen, he bolted for the league as well. Uh, Mark Stoops, I don't think he has made a choice yet. I've seen names T. Martin. I've seen um, other guys in the NFL. Uh, where do you think they go for an OC? Because Liam Cohen is now getting paid in the NFL. I don't know where they go for an OC, but the guy should be better. Uh, Liam's never put up good numbers. You know, great numbers. I, and did you see Tampa's reason why they hired him? Because he worked with Baker. Baker in L.A. Yeah, I'm like, what? They thought Baker's career was on life support. Like, literally, he could have just said, you know what? I'm putting my hands up. I'm on Johnny Menzel. I'm just out. Um, And apparently, he got the paddles, you know, revived him out there in L.A. And so, they want a true love Baker, so he'll come back to Tampa. So, they hired an O.C., hoping that they can cotton up to the Q.B., you know, the Jets did that for Aaron Rodgers. Then Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and the Jets sucked because the offensive coordinator wasn't any good. Anyways, back to your question about Stoops. Um, a lot of chances for upgrades. Look, they got a really good young quarterback there. They got one of the best DCs in the SEC. I hope see, he has struggled so much with hiring offensive coordinators. Offense in general has always been down. The defense has been there for Kentucky just about every year, except last year, of course. Um, so, I mean, a couple names that I would throw out there, and I tweeted these out before. Uh, best free agent available, Urisic. 
uh, was at Oklahoma State. He's been at Texas. He's been at Penn State. Uh, he's put up 10 or six 10-win seasons uh, and has had a top 25 offense seven times in his career. Uh, you want to go G5? You go Tim Cramsey out of Memphis. Uh, he's put up back-to-back top 15 offenses the last two years, uh, and he has made a lot with nothing. I love that guy. Uh, out of FCS, you take Christian Taylor, best offensive coordinator in the FCS. And here's a little one. I like this one. Tanner Engstrand. He was awesome at San Diego. He's been buried at the Lions. Well, not buried, but he's the quarterback coach at the Detroit Lions. Excellent offensive coordinator. That would be really fascinating for Stoops to go to the Lions and grab Tanner out of the NFL. Wrapping up a little bit more with um, our good friend Dave Bartu because it's a Tuesday and what he it's what he does. Uh, Jeremy, I've mentioned this yesterday. Jeremy Garrett, and I'm just going to give you a number here. He was the Auburn D line coach. He and Freeze were boys from Liberty. He's coached in the league before. He made a choice. Guys are making. I want to go back coaching the league. Um, for the money, I want a name that they could hire just in the ballpark. Like if I call you and I'm Hugh Freeze, because they were paying Jeremy Garrett five hundred and ten thousand dollars a year, had a two year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have said before you had you you were the first to do this. Someone said I need ten assistants. I have five point four million or whatever it was. <laughs> Moneyball, fill out this fantasy roster for me of all ten coaches. If I have a D line coach uh, spot open and I've got about a half million to spend. Um, give me some names. Give me. Am I going to go oh, poach from the NFL? A, am I going to go poach from the MAC? What am I going to do? Oh, we got a half million to spend. I the, the, the number one is that really an accurate number for an SEC team? Really, right? I mean, uh, that may may be what it was two years ago when they signed the contract, but we know salaries have been going up for five hundred thousand. That's that's really more. Big 12 ACC numbers. Wow. Uh, I, I think uh, I think for an upper end defensive line coach, uh, you're probably pushing three quarters of a million dollars to be able to bring them in. Um, and if you're an SEC team, you got the money to do that. So, so when you bring the uh, Liberty coach down to Auburn, part of it is, hey, I'm in the SEC, so I'll work for five ten. Plus, there wasn't really much experience there. You know, now Jeremy had a really good year. He was our highest rated rookie defensive line coach in college football last year. And when the Jags came calling, they said, hey, I want we were looking for a young, high rated guy. That was one of our top three. So they grabbed him. Um, I think Auburn has a lot of really good choices in front of them and i expect whoever comes in to be a significant uh asset to Auburn. all right well as you said you uh and we've talked quarterbacks with you specifically as you said you're gonna be heading to the combine uh in a couple of weeks uh quarterback play we have mentioned that before are you expanding out beyond your expertise with uh previewing who's going to make the, co- the quarterback jump from college to pros are you going to other positions as well yeah all, all of them all of them. It, it, it's there. We're, we're finding correlations all over the place. What we're really focusing on, though, Chuck, is round five, six, seven, and undrafted free agents. See, a lot of, a lot of fans don't realize 20% of all the starts in the NFL are from undrafted free agents. So, you know, it, look, you, if, you're, if you're in, in the draft as a franchise, you have to get round one, two, three, four right automatically or everybody's fired. 
right? So the diamonds to us, the, the diamonds in the rough, where it's hard to find them, five, six, seven, and undrafted free agency. So those are the rocks that we're looking for. We're helping these our franchises parse through guys much, much faster now, and so they can focus on more film uh, on the top ones than everybody. Continuing with Dave Bartu, again, he is CFB Matrix. Talk a little bit more then um, about what your activities will be, and you don't have to say with who or who, you know, whomever, mm-hmm. but um, at the Combine because that starts, that's a full week and all the different positional groups and everything um, yeah. and the medical and go across the street to the hospital and fill the cup. I mean, it is a big-time um, uh, event to take in for the first time. That's going to be awesome. Well, and I'm not going there to watch the players. I don't care. I mean, I'm not at, you, you know. Oh, I'm yeah, you're not with a stopwatch and all that. You're just processing you know, numbers. I am not at X's and O's, guys. Mm. I'm not watching any of that. I'm actually there to just meet my folks face-to-face, yeah. right? They're all going to be there. And so now I can sit down and meet them face-to-face, shake some hands, kiss some babies, right, make friends. And then what we'll do is we'll get out the laptop and we'll just start looking at all the, okay, here's all your DBs you're looking at. Right, so there's 46 of them here, and here are the seven you shouldn't even pay attention to. Right, it's filtering. It's filtering. So rather than spending all your time on 47 guys, isn't it more efficient spending all your time, same amount of time, on 40 guys or 39 or 38? So that's what we're going to be working on there is relationships yep. and parsing through these guys quickly. Yeah, part of it is also, and I'm listening to what you're saying, is that, you know, I've talked about different NFL teams that, quote, hit on their first-round draft picks, and I'm like, mm-hmm. but there's so limited upside to it. If you take a receiver at 12 and he goes to a couple of Pro Bowls, well, I mean, you paid full retail for a guy at 12 or at 3 or at 5. There's unlimited upside to an undrafted guy or a seventh, sixth, fifth round pick. Like that's where you wound up getting a two or three year starter for a seventh round draft pick. That's way more upside than you get compared, you know, what you're investing in him pick wise to a first round pick in a lot of cases. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's there, you know, so in each one of our franchises, it's interesting, has a different, all of them seem to have a different problem in a different spot. Right, they're really good at drafting round one, two, three, but they're really poor at four and five, and they hit really good at six and seven. So, one of the processes we're going through is going through each one's scouting process. How are you doing this? Right? How is it different? Is is it is it a particular scouts? Is it a particular position? You know. So the first thing we're trying to do is find weakness in data gathering and weakness in position oh absolutely don't accept the premise like we always Mm -hmm. look at ratings and grades and evaluations and and we then make our decisions based on those being accurate and you're saying wait a minute let's see like it's like you said about the uh officiating crews there are officiating Mm -hmm. crews that you are going to get more pis you're going to get a closer game you're going to get more calls you're going to get all that and uh same again the common thread that we through all this david is just fantastic stuff uh (laughs) tell everybody how they can get in touch with you not during the combine because he's going to be busy but tell everybody how to get in touch with you (laughs) oh dude i'm never too busy for college football fans man i am an absolute junkie but anybody can hit me on the text line 971-217-8419 and the dms are open on twitter CFP Matrix, give me a shout-out anytime. And final thing for you, a uh, little trouble sleeping, legal in all 50. Talk about the gummies. Oh, the liked-out gummies, man. It is the best seller at the Pro Athlete Temp Association, hemp 4 Uh 
uh, strongest stuff that uh, they've put together now for NFL alumni, uh, the Lights Out Gummies. Use coupon code KINGOFCFB at HempForPros.com. Dave, thank you so much, friend. Dave Bartu, CFB Matrix. Uh, yeah, the Lights Out Gummies, again, legal in all 50. Uh, Merrill Hodge, Mike Singletary, Hemp for Pros. These are retired NFL uh, players that they've got creaky joints. And it starts at the neck, the shoulder, the hips, the knees, the ankles, everywhere. And if you got a problem sleeping or you got some of those, if you get out of bed and it sounds like you're making popcorn, maybe you need a little bit of help uh, and you can get that. They've got roll on, they've got cream, they got sprays, they've got the gummies to help you sleep. And again, legal in all 50, 100%, uh, no matter where you order. You're not going to have any like controlled delivery. It's not going to be un- undercover stuff. Uh, it's all good stuff. So I appreciate Dave coming on. Um, and big, exciting news with him going up to the combine. He has, I, I know at various times, he has had probably half a dozen NFL clients. Uh, and had always specifically drilled down on quarterback evaluation because it's one that will wreck your franchise for five years, six years, even beyond, depending on if you actually trade it up to like the third overall pick or maybe it was just your own. Uh, But it will wreck you if you miss it. But now he's expanding out from there, and it's awesome. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com. 